uh, last week, I woke up in the middle of the week still excited about what Sunday was. Um, and so I am um, just grateful for our family. And um, in the middle of the week, after all of last week, I um, uh, felt like the Holy Spirit was like, okay, so what's next? <laughs> you have this story of the resurrection. And we, many of us believe it, and we try to live out that belief, but what's next? What happens? What, what about that? How does that impact my life? And so that's kind of what we're talking about today. Um, it's kind of the Easter plus sermon series kind of moment. Um, there's something after Easter. And I said last week that the resurrection was a door towards something. It's not just, it's not the end of the story. It is a door. It is a transition from one thing to the next thing. And now we need to talk about the next thing. I want to pray and then we'll jump in. Our Father, our God, you care so richly for us. And we are grateful for your love. We're grateful for your mercy, for your kindness. Um, thank you. Lord, we pray for your blessing and our time in your scripture. May our hearts be connected and aligned with your heart and each other's. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title of the sermon is Good Ground? <laughs> Question, good ground? Question mark? <laughs> um, on purpose. It's not a typo. Um, I was thinking this week, like, there's so many different ways that you can emphasize a question. Good ground? Good ground? <laughs> There's a question mark there on purpose. And this is one of those sermons where nuance matters. If you are a person who's on the autism spectrum or you're like me in that you're a direct communicator, we do not always catch nuance. Just being honest, we don't always catch nuance. Like there's things that sometimes someone will say and then they're looking at us expectantly like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna need you to use way more words than that. We just don't always catch nuance. And this is a portion of Scripture that will be in, will be in Matthew chapter 13, um, verses 3 through 8, and then 18 through th 23. But it's a portion of Scripture that is very nuanced. It's a story that's very nuanced. And the sermon is too. I'm giving you the heads up because some of you are going to be like, he is way over explaining this. And it's primarily because those of us who do not naturally catch the nuances, we need them to be said out loud. And uh, Olivia, our um, daughter, asked me a couple of days ago, like, we have a pretty, pretty standard routine of asking each other how we slept the night before. Like, hey, how was your rest? Um, and I was honest with her and like, Man, I woke up in the middle of the night and the Holy Spirit was basically telling me what the nuances were that I needed to process, which is always fun, but it's also like, ooh, 350, Jesus? There is a PM too, <laughs> right? And some of you who like, you have those moments where you wake up in the middle of the night and it's like, oh, thank you, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
<laughs> Thank you. Okay. I was like, if I look, so I ended up uh, getting up and taking some notes, and then I was able to go back to sleep. So, Matthew chapter 13, we're going to try to catch the nuances. The beautiful thing is Jesus does a good job of explaining, um, and we'll talk about that here as we get into it. Jesus is speaking, and uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 3 starts off, he, talking about Jesus, told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rocks. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still others, excuse me, still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. We're going to keep going here in a moment, but I put those pictures in on purpose. They're going to be a little bit of the theme for us. We have to catch the nuances, right? This is not something that we just read and then we just, oh, yeah, that's a beautiful bedtime story. Thank you, Jesus. If you could go back for me to the uh, Matthew 13, verse 4. It's the one where the footpath... Okay, so thank you. I live in Kentwood area, and there's this east-west trail. Um, some of you are familiar with it because you've been on it. Um, and um, when I... So this is not a picture from that. This is just from the internet webs. But the, I immediately thought about that path. I immediately thought about the path, and even why it's there for us to be able to walk on, right? Like it's for us to be able to enjoy nature, but also have a little bit of, you know, order for those of us who are not hikers, because I'm not. I know some of you want to take me on a hike, and I'm telling you, the east-west <laughs> trail is as far into nature as I want to go. <laughs> Squirrels, chipmunks, they can be my friends. I'll let y'all deal with bear and deer. <laughs> so, <laughs> but for those of us city people, we need a trail. <laughs> and so I immediately thought of this, and I need you to have that in your mind too, Right? This is a, we're going to land on this little space here for a little while, but I need you to have that trail in your mind. If you've never been on a trail, just think about what it is to be on the sidewalk. It's good enough. The disciples asked Jesus right after, and we're not going to read these verses, and I would encourage you to read them, but he asked them right after, listen, why you always be talking in parables, Jesus? Right? Like, that's basically how I would ask. <laughs> right? That's the Chase Amplified version. Why you always be talking in parables? But he was asking them that because it's confusing. Right? Just say what you want to say and just make it clear. Jesus is this indirect communicator who he is being intentional. He wants them to catch some things, but it's like, man, we've been hanging out with you for a long time, Lord. Can you 
Can you explain that? Can you just say what that is? This is the only parable in all of Scripture that Jesus explains. It's not that he doesn't speak clearly in other ones, but there's stories to help them catch something. And he explains this one. And that's why we jump to verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seeds that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that has, was planted in their hearts. That explanation is important. I said this is kind of like what's next, right? This idea of the message of the kingdom, this idea of the gospel that Jesus was born, lived, died, rose for our sins to be able to give us freedom. We've been talking about that for the last three weeks where we talk about what is the result of this resurrection. The fullness that God has promised us through this resurrection that I don't have to wait for until I get to heaven. I can exist in right now. The elevation of the status of women is a piece of that puzzle, right? All of these things that are seeds when they initially go out. The last three weeks, it's just been scattering seeds about what is the, what is the full result of the resurrection of Christ, and I know some of us were like, oh, yeah, it's resurrection of Christ. I get to go to heaven. That is not the fullness. That is not the even, that's not even the point. Woo. It's not even the point. It's not even the point. Jesus did not die just so you could go to heaven. <laughs> nope. It's just not it. The death and resurrection of Christ was so that we could successfully experience the kingdom of God on earth, Amen. not just escape it. Amen. That's why when he prays, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're the ones supposed to be living that out. Not just get my ticket and wait until it beams me up, Scotty. Like, no. That's not the point. I know that many of us have been fed that, and I don't want us to, I don't want us to lose the hope and the joy of what it is to experience the paradise of new earth and, 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 and all of the glory that that is. Please don't lose that, but let me also not let us go on continuing to pretend that that's all that there is. This is a multifaceted redemption of creation that is more than just when he shows back up. It's also now seeds some of which have fallen on a footpath some of which have fallen on a footpath and because they can't actually get down anywhere they just get snatched up and we leave this place not enjoying the fullness that Christ has offered us. That's what is, that's the explanation here, right? I just made, I just put it, I just put us in it for the last four weeks so that we can see ourselves here, but that's the point, right? The seed on the rocky soil 
represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. We got hype, happy even. If I was in a Pentecostal church, we was shouting about it. <laughs> but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. Listen, <laughs> Rose said, been there. <laughs> they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. I want to pause because this is a moment where those of you who have been in church before, many pastors would start going down a alley of condemnation telling you how much you suck at life <laughs> because you don't have deep roots. That's not where we're going. I need to say it out loud so that we don't in any way allow our emotions to shut us down because if we're going to turn that good ground question mark into a good ground period, we can't shut down before we process what this is. So I'm telling you now, that's not where I'm going. I'm not going to condemn you about whether or not you're a footpath or stony ground. That's not what this is. But if we're going to be good ground for all these seeds, then we have to actually have some space for examination. And that's really the point of this parable. Let's keep going. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. We'll come back to that one. <laughs> the seeds that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produced a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. I want to see all four of those, because this is where we're going to land for a little while. Nuance. <clears throat> the end of this sermon, I want to, I'm going to be honest, I want to convince you to be good soil. That's the end of this. I'm telling you where we're going right now. I want to convince you to examine your life and be good ground. But because Christ has given us these four examples of ground that seed can fall on, let's talk about them. The footpath, the east-west trail that goes from Cascade all the way down to Wyoming was intentionally put that way. See, sometimes we don't actually think about the details when, when Jesus says a parable like this. But even in the Roman Empire, they had paved roads. I'm not saying it was cement with painted lines. But they had a way of pressing the earth so they can create a road for chariots and walkers and donkeys to make it make their way through easily. Before then, they're hacking away at bushes and taking a machete to trees just so they can get to their neighbor's house. And so they needed a road. That's really what Jesus is talking about. Seeds 
were scattered and some of them fell on the road. Some of them fell on East-West Trail, which was intentionally put there for ease of travel. It's not that the seeds were accidentally fell on a footpath. It's that we have intentionally made a footpath where there's supposed to be a garden. Many of us are making it so that our lives are beautiful and easy to walk through and nothing grows there. Nothing grows where it's easy to walk. I know that you felt like, okay, if I have my life in its orderly, I wake up at this time, and then I have to have this breakfast, oatmeal with walnuts, and then I get dressed, and then I, I don't say, when somebody cuts me off, I just, you know, I get my holy life together, and I, it's ordered, and I have a bedtime, and I have this, and it's easy, you don't have to think, and it's not challenging at all. And quite honestly, you feel good about the fact that it's easy. Because that is actually how we teach each other life should be. We really do. We teach each other, go for what's easy. I know that some of us are wise enough to say that the easy way isn't always the best way, but I'm also be honest with it. Just say, if I, if I can do it easier, I would. <laughs> right? Work smart, not hard. Yeah. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying it's purposeful, right? It's purposeful. There's some things where we do need to order and have things be pristine and we need to have them look right. A sidewalk needs to look like a sidewalk and not like a garden. But if you want something to grow there, it can't be easy to walk through it. It actually has to be challenging to some degree, which we're going to get to in a second. <laughs> But I don't want us to miss why Jesus is saying that the seeds fell on a footpath. Some of us are not, we have our lives so ordered so we don't have to think anymore. We don't really have to pray. We don't really have to trust God. We don't really have to do anything. We don't have to fast. Some of us haven't fasted in decades. Because we've been making a footpath out of our lives. And it's easier, yes. But nothing grows there. Nothing grows there. And you're wondering why you're in your middle age and you're not being fed spiritually. It's not because nothing is good on church, at church and on YouTube. It's because you've made your life a footpath when it was supposed to be a garden. You've been pressing down all of your stress You've been pressing down all of your concerns. You've been pressing down every moment where you could activate your faith. You're just pressing, 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 pressing. And it's easier to walk on, but impossible for anything to grow. The stony ground. I told you I'm not, this is not about condemnation. I promise you it's not, but we do have to examine our lives if we want to be good ground. So I'm not telling you that you're not good, but I am saying that we've taught each other that this is how this works. The longer I'm with Jesus, the easier my life should be, and that is a lie. <laughs> if I want something to grow, 
if I'm 60, 70, 80, 90 years old and I still want to be growing in the Lord, I need to get rid of the footpath. The stony ground. Full confession. I have been and sometimes slip into this person. Just being honest. I like things to grow quick. <laughs> Look, I want to see the seed and I want to see the little sprouts and I want to see them now. I got to wait too long then... Jesus ain't even in it if I got to wait too long. I'm just telling you how I feel. Pray for me, okay? If I got to wait any amount of time, Jesus is not in it. That's my opinion. I know it's not true, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying how I feel. I want quick results. I want to embrace the truth and it just bury its way into my life and next week I got fruit from it. Listen, pray for me. The spiritual fruit of patience in my life is still growing. And, and that's, I know I'm not, the, clearly I'm not the only one. Listen, okay? Because some, some of y'all are like, amen, amen, amen. Listen, that's me. And glad to know we ain't the only ones. Part of it is our society that really makes us think that fast is better. But another part of it is, honestly, I want good fruit because I want y'all to see good fruit. Quick. A part of it is that it, that that soil that's on the top of all those rocks is a holy facade. If you tell me the truth, I embrace it and it bears fruit in my life quickly, then I for some reason feel like you will, you will believe that I'm walking with Jesus. And the longer it takes for it to actually get a taproot in my life, the more I feel uncomfortable about you judging how much God is not with me. If it takes two years, I mean, think about that, right? You have this beautiful truth that the Lord has revealed, and it takes two years for you to actually live in it. Man, <laughs> that doesn't actually feel good. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't, it's a blow to my ego. To think that it would take me that long to implement godly truth. It's a blow to my social standing to believe that it would take that long for me to have a pattern life of godliness. And so the truth is, we just kind of give up because the pressure of my lack of patience and my lack of desire, I don't want to be judged causes us to peace out way too fast. I want to talk a little bit about holiness for a moment. And we need to land here because if we're going to be good ground, we have to talk about it. Some of us 
are still equating holiness to sinlessness. And they are not the same. Holiness and sinless is not the same thing. Holiness is described by Jesus as loving God with my whole heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength, and loving my neighbor in the same way that I love myself. That is holiness. That's the description of holiness. If I keep trying to equate holiness and sinlessness, trying to live sinless will ultimately end in self-harm. Because we're so worried about being perfect that when we do do human things, like mess up, we will beat ourselves up, some of us just emotionally and some of us actually physically. I sinned this week. I sinned this week. I'm going to tell you how. I needed to make a leadership decision, and that leadership decision ultimately resulted in two of my sisters feeling devalued. Some of you are like, well, I mean, that's not really a sin. I mean, because it was just, you know, it, 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 I mean, it was just a leadership decision, and people get disappointed all the time, and that's okay. Nope. If I'm trying to live sinless, then I'll try to justify it not being a sin all day. That's because I'm uncomfortable with the idea that I sinned if I'm supposed to be living holy. But that's never been the definition of holiness. The definition of holiness is not that I don't sin. The definition of holiness is that when I do, I repair. (laughs) I repair. I have enough humility to say I'm sorry. I have enough humility to change my behavior, not justify my behavior. And when I do, I love God and I love my neighbor as myself. That's the definition of holiness. Holiness does not immediately say sin less, but it does cause me to sin less. Over my life, I cannot love you for real and keep sinning against you. That's not how this works. I cannot love God fully and continue to sin against God. And the truth is, the moment that I find out that I've sinned against one or the other, it is a reflection of my holiness to repair it. Not a reflection of my holiness to deny it. So all day long, I may want to say I didn't sin because that makes me feel better. But the truth is that it is more like God for me to say, my bad. I messed up. That's where the rocky part comes in. Some of us, we don't let this character development go deep enough for us to be humble enough to say, I messed up this week. My bad. I'm sorry. Help me understand, move some of those rocks out of the way. Those of you who are gardeners, you know this better than the rest of us. 
when you're trying to plant stuff in ground that has not grown things for a little while, you have to dig deep to move rocks and stuff out of the way. But some of us are so busy denying that we have rocks that nothing will grow there. (laughs) I got rocks. I've got rocks. And if I want something to grow here, I have to be willing to look at them. And if I don't want to look at them, nothing will grow there. We're wondering why we've been walking with Jesus for 35 years, but we're not as mature as we thought we should be by now. I'm telling you, sister, brother, if you feel like the topsoil is nice and fluffy, trust me, if you ain't growing, it's because there's something down there that you're not willing to look at. This isn't about condemnation. It's just about being good soil. I've got rocks. I got rocks. Not every part of me is stony. But if I want to grow, I need to notice the nuance here. I need to notice the nuance. How do I know if my ground is stony? When you mess up. When you receive a truth that doesn't immediately feel like something you want to hear, (laughs) and you immediately say, okay, yeah, I'll try to live that out, but then you're like, nah, nah. (laughs) That's it. When in the conversation, when someone tells you that you hurt them, you say sorry with your mouth, And then in a conversation on the phone on the way home, you tell that person how much of a dot, dot, dot they are. That's stony ground. I'm only saying things that we do as humans. We have been given these seeds of what fullness looks like in Christ. And if we're going to actually live in them, have to examine ourselves. Thorns. I told you we were going to come back here. Some of y'all are familiar with thorns. Some of us are familiar with thorns. And in many ways, we don't even know what it looks like to live without thorns. Right? Like, Jesus explained that these thorns are the worries and the concerns of life. And, interestingly enough, being too concerned about wealth. Which, if that's not American, I don't know what is. <laughs> right? Like, it's, I mean, it almost feels like to be patriotic, you got to be worried about the day and <laughs> wealth. And I want to talk about them independently for a moment because those are two different thorn bushes that may be in our gardens. It's easy for us to pretend that being ordered and concerned is in some ways a nice way of like not saying I'm worried. And I don't want to take away our order and our concern. I believe that to be godly. 
I believe it to be important for us to steward. We're actually going to be talking about stewardship here of our whole life. In a, in a few weeks, we're starting a sermon series in May. I don't want us to, take, to ignore that. But you know that line where it crosses from you being wise to worried. You know that line. Every, for every one of us, it looks different. For every single one of us, it looks different. I want us to wisely maintain our relationships. But I don't want us anxious about every time I need to have a conversation with someone because I don't know how it's going to go. That's not wise. That's worry. I need to be careful, but not cross over into the space where even just talking about last week where my, I have no peace. That has a way of choking out anything good growing in me. The nuance of being overly concerned about wealth is oftentimes, especially for those of us who in any way grew up in impoverished situations, we're like, I ain't trying to be rich because we have this inner reel talking about like the idea of Excess and too much also not being godly. And there's a re there is truth to that. But there's also another side to this. Many of us have examined the idea that we're not running toward being wealthy, but we haven't examined the idea that we're running away from poverty. And both of them choke out stuff that can grow in me. Running away from poverty is the exact same energy as running toward being rich. <laughs> and that's hard for those of us who grew up, especially those of us who grew up in extreme poverty, where we didn't know if lights were going to be on when we got home from school. We didn't know if we were going to have more than just one item for dinner. Many of us have grown up and we have learned to run away from poverty, but I'm telling us it's the exact same energy as running toward being rich. We've just learned a way to make that holy. And it still chokes out things that can grow in me. Nuance. Jesus. The same being who created all things came and lived his whole life in poverty. If the creator of the universe valued poverty so much that he would live in it, for 33 years, what makes me feel like I need to run from it? It's me trying to make a footpath out of my life. And I'm not telling you. I know some of us grew up in theological traditions that actually said being poor was being holy. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we have to have a heart check. We have to have a heart check. If I'm primarily concerned with my life looking like, some of us are like, we have this theological belief that if my life 
is wealthy, then that means I have the favor of God on my life. And that's not true because Jesus was poor. You ain't got more favor than Jesus. I'm just being honest. You just don't. You do not have more favor than Jesus. <laughs> I'm telling you, you were given a seed that turned into thorns, and it's choking out every other seed that God is trying to plant in your life. If you believe that you have to chase wealth or run from poverty, there is this thing in the middle and it requires us to seek God regularly and to trust and thank God often. Paul uses the, the language of don't give me more than I need or too little, but give me just the right amount so that I trust you. If you're trying to shape your life so that you don't ever have to ask God for anything, thorns. It will stop things from growing in you. Oh, I have a pastor friend that when he drops something heavy like that, he says, let's do a group hug because he can feel the room. It's not about condemnation, but I do need us to examine ourselves. Because we cannot just celebrate the resurrection of Easter, see it as a doorway into a life of fullness, and then still come out here worried about wealth. Still come out here worried about our lives when this God has promised us peace. This God has promised us comfort. This God has promised us fullness. And the one that we all want to be the good soil. Nuance. Good soil is just as intentional as a footpath, but it's just intentional in different ways. Many of us don't want to have our lives turned over and broken up, but that's the only way you get good soil. And I'm not saying turned over and, and broken up by, you know, some unhealthy relationship. Leave that unhealthy relationship, please. Yeah. <laughs> like, I ain't saying that. But there is a farmer with a capital F that wants to break up some things in my life. And if I do not let him, it isn't good soil. Also, good soil is filled with crap. Listen, I'm just saying. <laughs> Listen, it is. Some of us don't want any crap in our lives. And we're missing out on the opportunity for that crap to restore nutrients to our soil. What? I'm telling you, if you just let the Lord spread the crap the way he wants to. I know that's making some of you uncomfortable. But you keep, you're avoiding things. You get up to the point where God wants to actually walk with you through the pain of that trauma that you experience, and you don't want to deal with that crap. <laughs> 
<laughs> and your soil is deprived of nutrients because of it. You don't want to cry. So your soil has no minerals in it. Yes, I'm saying the salt of your tears brings nutrients to your soil. You don't want to struggle. You don't want to sweat. This is not the same thing as me saying that you want to live a worried, anxious life. I don't want that for you. But the farmer with the capital F knows how to maintain my peace and still walk with me through crap. And spread it evenly. As opposed to when I'm trying to manage it, I do heaps at a time and then I need a break. <laughs> then a heap and then a break. Then a heap and then a break. And that just burns the soil. Again, I don't know a whole lot about farming, but I know enough to say that's not how we want this. There's nasty stuff in good soil. Worms in good soil. And if we really want that, if we really want something to grow there, I have to be more than just willing to have stuff in my life that I don't enjoy. I have to desire it. which is a hard thing for me to ask God for. But at some point, as I mature, at some point as I mature, I need to move from seeing the challenges that the Lord presents in my life as something to avoid, as something to tolerate, something to see good fruit coming out of, to Lord, the truth is, I know I'm not going to be able to grow in that area unless you give me some opportunities to practice. Help me practice, which does not feel good. I'm just being honest. It doesn't. It breaks up the stony parts of who I am to practice. It cuts down the weeds in my life that those thorns that I have been operating in my whole life that is choking out good fruit, it chops those down. It devalues the beautiful walk path that I have paved for my life to let God come in, break it up, put manure and worms and roly polies. <laughs> Just so that he can grow tomatoes. But if we want to change that good, good ground question mark to good ground period, let alone an exclamation point, because some of us, like, we need to try to get to exclamation point, right? Good ground, that's what that process looks like. 
the nuance matters, family. It's not just one or the other. God's Jesus isn't saying that it's like some people like this and some people like that and some people like this and they have no hope. No. <laughs> I'm saying that if you want to be good ground, let the farmer do some things in your life to make your soil good. But don't run away from the process just because it feels challenging. It's challenging and it's okay. Let it happen. The fruit is good and it's not just for you. If you want to get rid of generational curses, then you're going to have to let your ground be broken up so your grandchildren can have peace. That's how this works. There isn't another way. I'm sorry. I wish there was. If you want to be able to actually see the people in your lives have a solid witness for who Christ is and you want them to embrace the hope and the joy of Jesus, but you don't want to have nothing broken up in your life, family, it doesn't work that way. You can't just throw the Bible on a table and say, read it. You have to let the farmer do some work in you so that fruit grows for them to eat. It's not just for us, it's for them. It's primarily for them because we're eating fruit off of somebody else's tree. Some of y'all have given me some fruit, and I'm grateful. God, make my life fruitful, which also means God, break up some stony ground, cut away some thorns, and demolish my footpath for your glory. <laughs> and for some fruit. The nuance. I think that's why Jesus explained it. That's why Jesus explained it. And I want us to live it. Some of us are already immediately discouraged because that feels overwhelming. And I'm telling you, it's not supposed to happen tomorrow. It's not supposed to happen in a day. This is just a life. This is a way of being. Good soil isn't just like I want you to turn me into good ground, God. Be good ground, which means be pliable, be moldable, be, be open to the Spirit moving in such a way that it may take two years for me to apply good and bear fruit out of it. Be open to it. Don't close ourselves off to it. Holy Spirit. So, lyrics, you are welcome here. Come flood this place. Fill this atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what my heart longs for, to be overwhelmed by your presence, God. That's what breaks up stuff. That's how we bear fruit. So I want us to spend some time. We don't need to go anywhere. Spend time. Where are you stony? Don't let the enemy trick you into beating yourself up. This is not about you being perfect. It's about you being willing. Where are their thorns? Don't let the enemy beat you up. This is not about you all of a sudden pretending to not have worries. God, I'm worried. Help me. 
God, I'm worried about our finances. Help me. God, I'm worried about my health. Help me. God, I'm worried about my significant other. I'm worried about my children. I'm worried about my dot, dot, dot. Help me. No masks. God, I'm afraid that if you bulldoze my walk path, my footpath, the people will know that I'm not perfect. Help me. Let's pray. God, you are the farmer. You're the shepherd, but you're also the farmer. We're your sheep, but we're also your ground. And you desire for our lives to bear fruit for our neighbors, for our children, for our grandchildren, for our extended family, and yes, for us too. You see where I have rocks and thorns and a beautifully manicured footpath that are blocking any fruit from growing. Help me. Help me. Help me. Where I do not want to go with you, help me. What I don't want to look at, help me. Help me, Jesus. I trust you. Father, the idea of this may immediately fall on ground in our hearts that immediately reject it. Pause. I need your eyes. Sorry. Didn't expect it. The Lord said that there are sometimes there are seeds that lay dormant until it gets on good soil. So, for those of you who know that you have hard hearts at the moment, ask the Lord to preserve the seed until the soil is ready. Because there are some seeds that will sit there for years until the soil is ready. Okay, let's keep praying. So, Father, will you do that in us? You know what we need, and we trust you with it. In Jesus' name, amen.